welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast, a podcast incorporating narratives about facing and navigating adversity, a mixture of people, their experiences and professional psychological discussion. I'm Dr. Tara Quintarillo. I'm a qualified and regulated psychologist with over 20 years experience of mental health, disability and human behaviour. I want to share people's stories of navigating adversity in the hope that through being heard, a dose of compassion and some understanding, we can help others in the face of adversity too. Hi, welcome to the Adversity Psychologist podcast. I'm Dr. Tara Quincherillo, and today I'm really super excited to have a very different guest on, if that's all right to say. So Elseline, who is going to introduce herself and tell us a little bit about who she is and what's brought her here today. Hi, everyone. Love, thank you for the introduction, Tara. Very nice. Um, so my name's Elseline and I'm a mental health worker. I'm also someone with lived experience. I have a diagnosis of borderline personality disorder, BPD, and I'm also the first ever Miss Great Britain finalist to compete with no makeup on and win a title in 2021. So I wear a lot of hats and do a lot of bits and bobs everywhere and I'm everywhere. But yeah, it, and I'm on the back of my successes of Miss Great Britain, I want to promote my stance and discuss mental health in an open forum with like-minded people because I think it's important to to talk about things like BPD and complex mental health issues because they're so stigmatized within society and I want to be someone who helps change that for people because I present well I I work full time and you might not guess that I have BPD by just listening to me speak so I've got to do my bit for the for, for other people and for me for for the future of of mental health conditions <laughs> So much to cover today. <laughs> we think we might end up doing a little extra podcast off the back of this one. Um, but before we started recording, we were just talking as well, weren't we? That yeah. I have a, a background or special interest in um, what we call personality disorders. But yeah. and we were talking as well about the use of formal terms and, and diagnostics. And actually, that's something really useful to start with, I think, isn't it? Because not everybody likes those terms, wants to use them. Everyone's really different. Um, and in terms of where you're coming from, what do you find helpful, if that's all right to ask, about the concept, having a, a diagnosis, a word that you can use to describe? So for me personally, I can only speak from my own experiences, it helped me a lot to understand myself. So growing up, I, I always felt different. I always felt like something was was up. Uh, yeah. I thought differently. I presented differently to a lot of people around me and there was not a name for it. And for me, I know a lot of people do feel like they don't want to be labeled. They don't want to be put in a box and that's fair enough. But for me, because I had so many felt, I had so many years of feeling like an outcast, actually having an explanation for what I what I am and who I am really helped me go forward. So I was diagnosed in 2019. I was 29. And I believe I've been living with it for a long time before that. Um, <laughs> and to be able to actually go, oh, well, that's why I do things like this. And that's why a bit like, let's say, if you've got a medical diagnosis or a physical thing and you, you know, your body's acting yes, differently yeah. and you want to find out what's going on with your body so you can get the help or you can get support for it. So if I've got a funny knee, I need to find out what's going on with it so I can get make it better or manage it. I feel exactly the same way with my diagnosis. So for me, I needed, personally, I needed that direction. And to feel like I belong before I was diagnosed, yeah, I didn't really know. It was, you know, it was constantly for a very long time, anxiety and depression, anxiety and depression. And right. I thought, you know what, there must be something more going on because my thought patterns were very black and white, you know, very different to a lot, as I said before, very different to a lot of people. And 
think my mum always knew that something was was up. Like she obviously was very, as most as most mums are, they're very protective yeah. of their daughters. But I think she always knew that some. Do you know what I mean? You, as a parent, you can just tell that that maybe I needed extra support and maybe I needed this, maybe I needed that. And throughout school, I I didn't have a very good time at school. Like they the teachers weren't very nice and they weren't very helpful to me. A lot of them, and they they branded me with ADHD and. I don't have ADHD and I feel like that was quite a stigma for me because it was back in that time in when I was what 10 11 that was 2000 and 2001 I felt that kids either had ADHD or autism that was it and we were put in categories all the problem kids in inverted commas were put in boxes we were put in these problem boxes and and that's, you know, that's the ex, oh, she's only, she's just got ADHD, you know, put her in the corner. But actually, there's so, this is such a big spectrum and such a big overlap of diagnosis, you know, of spectrums that now that we're actually talking about mental health openly, we're actually learning about it, we're finding things out. Yes. And for me, that was, for me, that was my eureka moment, actually having that diagnosis and knowing, you know what, I'm not an outcast. I'm not a freak. I have a trauma response to things that have happened to me in the past. And this is it. And this is why I behave like this. And this is why I present like this. And I would never say that my BPD is an excuse for how I behave, but it's definitely an explanation for how I behave because it helps me understand it and it helps other people around me understand how to help me and how to educate themselves. And without that education, my relationship with my family has gotten better because I've had that education. I've been able to educate them because when someone with BPD maybe lashes out or says something, Yes. Someone who doesn't have BPD are probably going to be quite shocked because it's like, whoa, like I can switch quite quickly. And my family now know that it's not them that's the problem. It's just me having a moment where I feel unsafe and I feel like I need to express myself and I don't know how. And I will lash out like in a certain way. And that's literally what it is. And to have that diagnosis and to have the support that I've got now with therapy and the right support has really helped me go forward. Like, I feel like a different person. I look at myself before the diagnosis and I like don't really recognise who that was. Like, mentally, I was quite a lot a lot more lost. And I yes. still have got a long way to go. But I feel like with the right support and with the right people around me, like, my circle has gotten so much smaller. But I feel like I'm around people that really want to help me and help themselves understand me. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it valued me in a better place. people. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely in a better place. And I think that diagnosis, as I said, it's not for everyone. And I can appreciate that everyone's different. We all present differently. You know, as you will know, with your line of work, there's about 265 different combinations of my diagnosis and how I might present. So I know that other people with BPD maybe are more private than me, maybe have other issues, or maybe there's another reason why they have BPD, which is maybe contributing to why they don't want the diagnosis. You know, there's a lot of different factors in there. But for me personally, I felt like, okay, I'm going forward. I can't go backwards. I need to keep going forward. And this is part of my recovery is, you know, knowing what's going on. It Like, like I said, with like a body diagnosis, if I've got a headache, I want to know why, you know, a bit like this. <laughs> Sounds like it's been quite empowering for you to yeah, finally has. have something that you can make sense of and understand. Is it all right to ask, how, how did you get that diagnosis? Because you said actually you'd been given other diagnosis before. Yeah. Yeah, been so, misdiagnosed with other things, or they may have been presented things like yeah. anxiety, depression may have been there, as you say. But we we kind of think that you know personality disorders, what we call an axis two yeah. condition, and axis one, the kind of layer and above is things like anxiety and depression. Yeah. But often people don't look at, at what else may be there. So I'm just interested in that journey. What? 
yeah, led sure. you to that particular diagnosis? Okay, so in 2019, I was in quite a difficult job. I was in quite a difficult relationship. I'd, okay. have, I'd right. had quite a few difficult relationships on and off in my adulthood. Okay. Yep. And this one particular was quite difficult. Right. And I was quite suicidal. I was in A&E due to that. Okay, right. And I was given a assessment by somebody and I felt listened to. I did feel listened to. I'm not going to lie. Like that was probably the first time I felt like, okay, they're listening to me now. Yeah. And my friend was there as well. And they gave, they discussed with me what the next steps were, which was another assessment with the psychiatric, um, it's called the, the community mental health team. Yes. Yeah. In my area. And that's where they then, they diagnosed me because they asked me, they gave me an assessment about my past, not just about what was going on then and there, because clearly there was more going on. And the person who was speaking to me was trained and quite high up before that I was in and out of counseling and the diagnosis was quite, you know, depression, anxiety, depression, anxiety, because that's what I was presenting to them. And I think before I had got to that point, it wasn't the first time I'd got to that point, unfortunately, but that point specifically was probably the most honest I'd ever been about what was going on. Before that, I was too scared to tell people what was really going on, which was probably why I was not diagnosed until then. So unfortunately, that wasn't my first attempt suicide, but it was the first time I was honest to the doctors about what was going on. And, you know, I think that came with age and with understanding and with the the desperation of just going, you know what, I need to tell you everything right now because I'm done spending, wasting time now, you know, um, pussyfooting around it. You know, I was getting really bad panic attacks in 2016 and I was diagnosed with anxiety, health anxiety, but I wasn't honest enough to them about what was going on and then when I was sat there with with the psych uh psych liaison and um the community mental health doctors and and that I was like you know what I'm done I'm gonna have to tell you exactly what's been going on unfortunately I've been subject to sexual assault at quite a young age and it continued throughout school it was from peers from a very young age and then later down the line it happened again and again and again with other people unfortunately and I think that's most probably one of the things that did trigger my borderline right. personality disorder. Um, I'm also uh, a Romanian orphan. So I was adopted in Romania when I was one, which definitely also probably, as you know, with your knowledge and your experience, uh, has a, has an impact, the attachment that I didn't have as a child. So all right. of these factors yeah. were given to these doctors. And the, for the first time ever, I was actually really honest to them about everything that led me to that moment. And they were like, okay, we're going to have a discussion. We're going to do more of an assessment with you. And that's when then they decided that that was what they, you know, and I was presenting probably a lot better than when I was younger at that point when I was talking to them because I had was I was done, you know, I was done. I yeah. wanted to get it all out. And I have had uh, an ex- experiences with drugs and alcohol in the past. I, I do have quite an addictive personality. So I fit, without trying to sound weird, I did fit all the the moulds that they needed to have to yes. give diagnosis yeah. five. I think there's nine symptoms and I definitely had at least five, if not more. And that for me, like I said, was an Eureka moment. Like I left after I'd been given that diagnosis and I'd had that chat with them. You know what? I felt like, thank goodness, because now I can start moving forward. And I have to say since then, I do get bad days as well, but... I've not got to the point where I was at that point where I was in A&E wanting to take my life. And that's a a plus that's, you know, I've definitely gotten better. And I think part of it is having that diagnosis and knowing how to manage those emotions in a better way, because before these emotions were consuming me, like literally like a wave over my head. And because I had no name for them, I had no understanding of them. I couldn't deal with them. Now it's almost like, okay, 
I know I have intense emotions. I know I have quite, I'm quite volatile, like changes of behavior. I know this because I've researched it and I know other people now who have, I've never, before I had the diagnosis, I never met anyone. I I didn't even know what borderline personality was before that. Well, that's what I was going to say actually, because maybe people listening who've never really known much more other than the word. Yeah. It's mad actually to think about like, um, there's loads of support groups in my area. I'm in Surrey. And I have to say, yeah, before that, I'd never met anyone with BPD. But now I'm in a community of people who get my way of thinking. And that really helps me because these support groups I can reach out to when I'm feeling really bad. And I am yeah. feeling down and, and down in the dumps. And these people, they get it. Like, you don't have to even give me advice. I just know that these this group of people just know my thought pattern better yeah. than me yeah. because they're more experienced than me, you know, with it all. And I, I just think that's really liberating. I have, like I said, I've always been quite a positive person, you know, regardless of my circumstances, I've always been quite positive because that's just my personality and who I am. And yeah, that definitely helped me, as I said, get the help and that's what I needed. And, you know, I always say that people don't, when they are in that situation, they don't want to die. They just want the pain to go away. And that was definitely, that was for me the same. And they helped relieve that pressure by giving me an answer because that's what I was looking for was why am I like this? And yeah, it it was a brilliant a brilliant year that as I didn't start a brilliant year, but it ended nicely because I had the answers that I needed. If that makes sense, absolutely. So one of the things I guess that interests me is that um, can be a lot of contention around the use of diagnostics, and, yeah. and I guess we're not here to debate that today. <laughs> um, but what we are here to do is to help people hear about your lived experience and and what we can learn from that, what we can learn about you know the human condition and coping it. But yeah. so much about what you've said so far then is about how you gained maybe insight into your emotions, into your yeah. behavioural responses. Um, and that's what psychology is all about, really, helping yeah. people to formulate and understand. And for me as a clinician, I do tend to go with what my patients want. Some of them like yeah. to use diagnostics. They find it helpful to have a framework. Others yeah. don't, and that's absolutely fine. And to me, it's about the individual and helping them understand, as you say, those links. And it sounds like you've been through a bit of a journey there then in perhaps being able to make sense some of those past patterns of behavior and sometimes sitting and not knowing why we're feeling where we are or yeah. why we're continually observing behavioral loops as we call you know things that you may do regularly that have the same outcome can actually be quite distressing so there could be a lot of power therefore in learning a bit more about that and I was so interested in the role of other people as well as you said something you said there so much you said <laughs> I want to follow up on but there's one little thing that you said about sometimes they don't even need to do anything particularly they just get it and how powerful that is for you yeah yeah absolutely absolutely and and I wonder what it is about having other people that get that especially with something like BPD most of my life I've just felt like an outcast I've just felt like quite lonely and quite like a bit like a freak so having other people that listen and understand and believe me as well because a lot of a long time in my life oh you're just a drama queen oh it can't be that bad Yes, it can. BPD is a very exaggerated, it's a very exaggerated yeah. disorder because there is exaggerated emotions. That's literally what it does, what it says on the tin. So when someone who's not presenting with BPD sees someone with BPD react to something, of course, to them, it's going to look over the top because it is, in a, it is in a way because we are, our emotions are different to most yeah. people. And when someone doesn't understand it, of course, a lot, you know, like if you think about bullies in school, when they don't understand something, they ridicule it. It's a bit like anything. Yes, yes. Um, it's like a good analogy. Yeah. Like my my moods and the way I presented, because people didn't understand it, they ridiculed it, and they made me feel guilty for being who I was. And 
in turn that affected my self-esteem I'm still working on that I'm still working on love it like learning how to love myself and I'm still working on my triggers as well like I've not got to the point where I can harbor them just yet but I've got to the point where I'm breaking the narrative right now so when I was younger I was I would get into these bad relationships with people I'd get into relationships with people because I didn't want to be lonely you know I was scared to be myself yeah and part of BPD one of the symptoms for those listening is fear of abandonment so I would in my younger years I would have rather been in a relationship with someone who was wrong for me than just be by myself because that fear feeling of being on my own actually scared me because I was like I'm going to be on my own with my own thoughts I'm going to be by myself no one's going to want me and that fear put me in situations where actually I was in the wrong relationships for a very long time and more now than ever I've learned how to break that cycle I've learned that you know I'm you know the circle that I had around me when I was younger are not the circle I have around me now because my energy is different. My, my presentation is different and my attitude is different. So that's interesting. Yeah. How's it changed? So I just respect myself more like, and respecting myself more doesn't come from what I wear. doesn't come from what I look like. It comes from how I feel about myself. Yeah. And as a woman, I think that that's important to say because a lot of people think that a woman doesn't respect herself if she wears certain clothes or wears makeup or whatever, whatever she does actually no respect comes from inside and if as long as you're doing what you want to do for you that's respecting yourself you know that's whatever that might look like and for me that looks like walking away from people who aren't good for me and walking away from situations that aren't good for me when I was younger I had to quit drugs because they weren't good for me and I, I do have a very addictive personality even still now and I have to be really careful who I let in my life and what I let in my life but I know that now and when I was younger I didn't and I was giving myself a disservice by letting these people treat me like they did and I would never do that now and yeah like I'm very happy that I've got to that stage now where I know that because my mum was at the time going you're better than this and I couldn't hear her I had my blinkers on and now I know what she meant because yeah those people weren't worth my time and I look at those people now and a lot of them are still doing the same things that they were doing when I was younger which is just using people and actually it's made me realize that it wasn't me that was the problem. Yeah, I shouldn't have got myself involved with those people, but actually I'm now in a happy relationship and those people are still hurting people, which is not good. You know, I feel bad for the people that they're hurting. But when I was younger, I would get into relationships, get hurt and think it was me that was the problem. Yeah. And now yeah. I'm looking at the same people in the same town who are still doing the same things as they did when we were 25, 26, whatever. And I'm going, oh my God, it wasn't me that was the issue. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm sure there was parts of me that, did clash with them and that's another thing that I am learning about myself is that the way I present relationships because I'm so scared of being abandoned yeah I probably said a few things did a few things that are not great as well and knowing that that as well for me is great because I know how to improve now in my relationships now in my friendships and my issue is when I was younger I wasn't able to communicate with people very well I could not communicate and I just couldn't tell people what I needed and I'm still finding it sometimes difficult even now um there's a there's a um terminology with the BPD community which is called splitting and I'm sure you know that with your line of work but for those people who don't it's the black and white thinking so my splitting normally comes when I'm in a romantic relationship more than anything and that's difficult for anyone and I'm sure even for my past relationships it was hard to hear some of the things I would come up with and say to them and it is that feeling again of feeling unsafe so the relationship I'm in now is a safe one. The ones before weren't. And that's what I look for now in friendships, relationships, family, friends, whatever you want in any sort of relationship. I need that stability and safety. And so do they. But I know that now. And 
I'm that much closer to figuring out more about myself, which I guess is really empowering because me, even two years ago, wouldn't have been able to sit here three years ago, wouldn't be able to sit here now and be so honest to you about what's been going on because I was so afraid of the scrutiny and the stigma that would come with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was ashamed of not being perfect. And I was ashamed, especially we were discussing this a little bit before about social media. Like I, I there's so much perfection out there, isn't there? Yes. And, it's a really good point. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And especially for women in the society that we're in, everything's perfect, everything's flawless. And that's not real life. And when you're posting on social media, there is still that scrutiny around mental health. There is still that scrutiny around posting your real inner thoughts. Even the people that do aren't giving you their core because people are afraid of being stigmatized. It's 100% unfortunately still going on. People don't understand yet fully. We're getting there, but we're not there yet. And it, you know, I think our generation is the generation that's going to change everything because we have social media and we're using it the right way. There's Social media is such a powerful tool. And if used the right way, we can really make a difference. So much. <laughs> I want to follow up on that. Sorry, guys. There was something you said just a little while back that I must make sure I don't forget to come back to. Sure. Is just talking about that role of what sounds like invalidation by others that, yes. you know, part of your journey has been to understand more about kind of triggers, how you yeah. feel, how you think, and then ultimately how you behave, and then learning about patterns. And you said over the years, uh, things like in relationships, there's some behavioral patterns there. Yeah. Um, and then part of that journey is looking at how you can make change how you can help yourself to feel better but also to educate others but along the way part of that role you know of kind of educating others and helping them understand you is that sometimes we meet people who do what we call invalidation where they're not able for whatever reason to really get what you're going through and they can therefore maybe knowingly or unknowingly at times minimize oh you're okay oh it's really not that bad um and actually I've come across quite a lot over the years in my yeah. clinical work with people with BPD particularly um because it's so misunderstood and perhaps people don't really know how it presents how it can yeah. cause issues for people that yeah. that invalidation can be really powerful but also it can be quite triggering as well for people oh, 100% 100% yeah. yeah 100% I feel like because BPD is such an unknown thing just yet really people think for me again I can only talk for myself because I have no experiences of other people's feelings unfortunately yeah, yeah. but the way that I see it is with me because I present so well and I'm working full time and I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm everywhere. People find it hard to believe that I do have a diagnosis of BPD. Because right. yes. society tells us that people with BPD are licking walls and they're suicidal and they're angry and they're this and they're that and they're rude and obnoxious and all the bad people in, you know, and I'm doing this yeah. in because yeah. I don't believe this at all. I think a lot of people with BPD are amazing. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, Amber Heard, there's so many villains, in inverted commas, that are coming out with BPD. Any scary movie you watch where the villain has a mental health disorder, it's going to be BPD and they're going to be creepy and they're going to kill someone and blah. And yeah. everyone assumes that that's what everyone with BPD is like. And we're not all like that. You know, that, of course, personality comes in it too. You know, I'm, you know, I'm not an ass because I have BPD. I'm an ass because I'm an ass. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, it my, my diagnosis doesn't come into that. Yeah. What comes into it is my choices as an adult. We all are adults. We all have choices and we have to make those for us. And that's one thing that I think is so crucial to talk about. So on these yes. forums, because yeah. you know what I mean? Like uh, if you saw me walking down the street, you'd be like, oh, she, you know, she's perfect. She's got everything going on for her. But everyone, mental health doesn't discriminate. Mental health is invisible. It's an yeah. invisible disability. You know, that's, and it infuriates me sometimes because it's like, no, what do I have to do to prove to you that I have something wrong with me? What do I have to do? You know what I mean? And I remember when I was going through the stages of getting the diagnosis, I felt like I, 
had to prove myself to the system that I was not well enough to do things. And I had to prove myself because I presented so well and I was so articulate. It was like this, people are going to be thinking that I'm making it up. And then I gaslit myself going, it can't be that bad. Come on, like get on with it. And then in turn, it made me worse mentally because I wasn't getting the help. It's yes. it's like a cycle, isn't it? I'm sure you've seen the yeah. patients that you really see. Can that. Be, yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, coming back to some of the things you mentioned that you'd been through before in terms of anxiety and depression, that's often why sometimes then people have coexisting conditions because yeah. it can be quite hard navigating life. It can be hard navigating different conditions. And, and sometimes we can get low mood, we can get anxious, stressed yeah. when we're learning about ourselves and looking at our behaviour. But what's really interesting, so your personal journey with mental health, but also it sounds like your personal journey with trying to address stigma to help educate people understand kind of led you into the work you do now and yeah. I do want to come on to your Miss GB stuff as well but tell us a little bit about kind of because that's what I'm also really interested in is you know what do we already have in us as human beings in terms of coping with adversity and giving back to others seems to be a really good way of yeah. helping our own well-being as well so tell me a little bit about kind of what drew you into mental health work particularly rather than anything else and what you do. So I work for a mental health charity. Uh, it's called Catalyst. It's okay. based in Surrey, the Surrey area. Right. Um, and I use my lived experience to help clients get the help they need. So we sign ah. We're not a counselling service or a therapy yes. service. So we support clients to get back into the community. So when they're ready yeah. to engage with the community, we help them get into that community. We run groups. We run uh, one-to-one sessions. And we try and help them in a person-centred way yes. to get that support. And I know that when I was feeling unmotivated and unhappy that would have really helped me have someone with lived experience what a great idea yeah do this and I think when it comes to the lived experience side of things other people really appreciate that because they know that you've been there and you're not just someone going well you know it's it's that understanding and that personal approach and I know that the textbook side of things is great as well and I think it depends what sort of person you are and what sort of things you you listen to and adapt to but definitely young people really like it when you tell them I've got lived experience and I can help you or, oh, I've got BPD. This BPD group's really good. I've been to it myself. And it makes them feel like, you know what, there is a, there is a, there is a light at the end of the tunnel because this person's working full time and it's inspiring for other people. But also at the same time, if you flip the script round, I'm getting healing as well because I'm being that person I needed. And that is so important for me because when I was going through all the stuff I was going through, there wasn't anyone there telling me all this stuff. Yes. if I, I can't go back and change everything that's happened to me, unfortunately, I didn't, I wish it didn't happen. But what I can do is prevent it happening to someone else by using my voice. That's the really interesting thing. I think that's kind of fed into the kind of brainchild behind this podcast really is that, you know, there can be so many different ways that we yeah. can source help. But um, one of the things that I kind of think is that sometimes we can also forget what we have already in us from our experiences either innately to do with our personality our coping style you know there's so many factors that influence our coping style um but just you know turning your lived experience things that maybe you didn't have into something productive for someone else as well and but also that you know I'm such a huge fan of you know that compassion for others can be great for our own well-being but also being a bit compassionate to ourselves you know being kind about what we've been through and I imagine as well um with your BPD are there days when it impacts how you feel at work how able you are to manage and are you able to be compassionate with yourself if you have up days down days well uh no I'm not very compassionate to myself I'm still learning that part so when I'm having a bad day I I literally hate myself sometimes like like with BPD there's a as I said earlier in the in the podcast there's 
as you would know for the listeners it'd be interesting to know if they know that the um black and white thinking so it's either great or yeah. absolutely crap so if I'm having a really bad day I find it really difficult to yeah. for myself I can I can advise everyone else around me yeah. and I can be kind and I can be loving but when it comes to myself a lot of the time I'm not because I'm still blaming yeah. myself a lot yeah. of the time for the things I've been through and that's why I'm so honest about who I am on social media and to the people I support and to the people that we 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 bring through our services because I know what they're going through to some extent you know obviously everyone reacts differently but I know that feeling of despair and I know what it does to someone and yeah. I'm yeah. still sometimes like I said I'm still learning I'm not going to lie I'm not perfect I'm not I'm definitely not recovered no way I'm not nowhere near that yet but I'm definitely like I said helping people definitely helps me because I need to practice what I preach a lot of the time, you know, and when I talk so kindly to other people, there's a little voice in my head sometimes going, well, why can't you be like that to yourself? You know, like, yes, isn't that I'm interesting? Yeah. I do things for myself, like have bubble baths. I recently I've like got my hair done and, you know, yes. I, these little wins that really help me. And I love murder documentaries and that's my way of kind of relaxing and really zoning out because I really like the thought patterns of people. I really am. People intrigue me. Let's just say that. There's some weird people out there. There's some cool people out there. There's some not so nice people out there. And every person intrigues me because I'm really interested in in humans, in how they think. And that's yeah. probably why I dissected BPD. When I got the um, the diagnosis, I went and researched it. I went, I went on all the websites that were the correct websites. I have to stress that there are websites on there which aren't great. But there's the, the NHS website, the Mind website, if you're in the UK, that is really good because they're giving you facts. They're not giving you crap. Yes. Like manipulative. Yeah. You know what? BPD people with BPD can be manipulative and it's because we need help and we need we need you to listen to us and it's the only way we know how to uh to communicate but there's things on TikTok that I've seen which are just like quite toxic and quite bad and yes. it's you know this might be a reason why other people might not be brave enough to go to the doctor and get the diagnosis because they're scared that if they've got that diagnosis that TikTok seems to be scrutinizing they're not going to be popular and absolutely and in little sound bites like that little video bites as well um Mm. I won't go there today but you know how some of the clinical community feel pros and cons to social media but that you know sometimes you're getting a presentation reduced in a small sound bite small video clip yes can be really destabilizing for people yeah. as well um, and as you say it's really important that we talk about kind of reputable sources of information quite honestly as clinicians so um that's really good to know that those are sites where you can go to where the information is evidence-based as well it's correct mm. but also about how the terminology sits with you I think that's really interesting as well yeah because sometimes a website or someone could be talking about something but the way they talk about it might not be appropriate um, and I think that's really important, you know, again, coming back to that validation, yes. you know, yep. yes, how, how useful is it to exactly. see certain terms used? And we do have, we do have complex when it comes to being scrutinized and being um, yes. yeah. uh, criticized. So if we're seeing that all over the internet, we're going to like go into ourselves even more because that's one of our triggers is to feel not good enough. Yes. So absolutely what you were saying, I completely agree with that. hundred percent. I think it's important to voice it. When we look at kind of how our brain might respond sometimes, sometimes, you know, if we're noticing two or three different mediums covering the same topic, yeah. sometimes that can mean that brain kind of goes into threat mode and yes. start to think this is everyone's talking about this. And sometimes yeah. we can also magnify, can't we, what's in front of us. And that leads us nicely on then. So one of the things that we've been talking kind of about stigma being who you are. Um, yeah. And when you first kind of introduced yourself to me, um, when, we, when you first began to correspond, didn't we? I was so interested in your other story um and and how these two things tie together so tell us a little bit about what you got up to in 2021 with the miss gb competition 
So I did Miss Great Britain in 2019 as well. I did it the year before, just before COVID. Yes. Yeah. Just before it all went, you know, whoa. Um, And I didn't really give them myself. I kind of like, you know, regardless of the makeup I wore, regardless of whatever, I was trying to put on a front and I was not false, but I was scared that I wasn't going to I felt like I was back in school. I was scared that I wasn't going to be like, so I put on this front. And in the interview with the judges, I kind of, you know, pretended to be someone else because I didn't think I was good enough as who I was. Right. And I then decided, you know what, I need to go back and do that again because... I didn't feel I didn't I felt like I wasn't done yet you know you know that feeling you get you're like I'm not done yet I need to you know I don't want to just that that to be it um and I I went back in 2021 and I decided in 2021 after coronavirus after COVID so during COVID I a lot of pressure from me went away so through the pandemic before the pandemic I wouldn't say I wore loads and loads of makeup all the time but I definitely wore makeup for the wrong reasons yes before COVID And during COVID, all the stress, I have to say, I know the pandemic was very difficult for a lot of people, but for me, it was the year I really needed to figure myself out. So it was just after I yeah. got the diagnosis, just after. And I was like, okay, okay, I've got to, something's got to give. I need, to, I could tell, you know, that there's all these things that I'd put away for a long time that were coming out during the pandemic, but they were coming out in a way that I knew that I needed to get the proper help and I knew that I needed to get support. And go it, it ties in with the Miss Great Britain stuff because after the pandemic was done, I was like, there's going to be other people out there that can resonate with this, especially women, because we're put under so much pressure constantly by the media. We're put into so yeah. much pressure by men yeah. even around us to look a certain way. And I was like, why not use a very controversial platform like Miss Great Britain where, yeah. it, you know, it's almost like juxtaposed what I did. It's almost like flipping the script and it's almost quite contradictory what I did do and I do get that but I did it on purpose because I knew that the message would be heard I'm a working musician as well and I knew that if I'd stood on stage doing a gig no one would notice that I wasn't wearing makeup and it wouldn't have been a big enough platform to stand on yes that's a good point yeah and doing it in a on a a platform around the beauty you know one of the biggest if not the biggest pageants in the UK going you know what the beauty industry needs to change women have a choice to do what they want with their bodies it's our body no no one else's and due to the fact that I was when I was younger all my choices were taken from me uh, from the abuse from the sexual assault yeah yeah that choice for me was taken you know and I wanted to remind myself that even now as a woman I still have the choice to do what I want with my body now this is my body and to speak my truth so openly means that my abusers didn't win yeah and yeah this is another reason why I did it so it's all interlinked into my story it's like a maze it's not just one reason or two it's a lot of different reasons partly COVID triggered the process of going I can go to the shops with no makeup on I don't care I'm wearing a mask no one needs to see my face and it was it was really empowering that time because all the all the distractions I used to stop myself from thinking about stuff they weren't there anymore so I didn't have you know busy busy I wasn't running around like a headless chicken doing loads of stuff I was at home and you know what I had to think about stuff that I hadn't thought about for years all that stuff we might put off because we're busy yeah yeah and it really helped me and at the start it was difficult because I'd come out of a really bad quite bad relationship and I was by myself and I was scared and and it wasn't nice but actually (laughs) it was a really good time for it to happen because I had to be by myself I was in lockdown I couldn't see other people and that, that was the time I thought you know what being by myself ain't that bad. I can do this. I need to le- I need to work on myself. I need to learn to be okay with who I am. And that was the process. And through that process came me 
coming out of the lockdown going, I'm going to apply again for Miss Great Britain and I'm going to do it without any makeup on. And it was April yeah. 2021, I, no, 2020, I believe. Oh, God, wait, no, 2021. <laughs> 2020 it's happened. It's a vortex that... April 2021 that I decided I'm going to announce on social media that I'm going to do this with no makeup on and it wasn't an anti-makeup stance because I think makeup is an artistry and I think women should have a choice to do what they want but it's more about that choice that I had as a have a woman as a woman to do what I want to do with my body and there was so much in the media in America around that at the time and I thought you know what I'm going to stand on this platform I'm going to do this and the wave that happened after that you know I was on most tv channels in the uk in abroad talking about this because people got it mainly women and young young people as well the dangers of, again as i said earlier the dangers yeah. of social media around body image that's a huge one myself included i've had an eating disorder in the past where it was around my image and it was around yes. how i felt i yeah. had bulimia when i was a teenager due to being bullied at school for being overweight and it's so bad now like because social media young people young boys are not understanding how women should really look because there's so much out there that's not real and nobody's telling us that this isn't real and we're not being told be yourself and love yourself we're being told look like her be like her this girl's great but so are you and that's what we should be doing and young people won't know that it's okay to be themselves if we don't do this now this generation now is the one that's going to change things and I'm really proud to be part of it because we saw what it was like before and we're making that change was again a bit like with me with my own BPD. I'm breaking the narrative that is the beauty industry and going, I can do what I want with my body. If I want to leave home without any makeup on, I can do that. And the news agents, when a lot of uh they shared it on Facebook, you know, if if like let's say Lad Bible or whatever shared it, a lot of people would say, like, why is this news? And I said, Yeah, it shouldn't be news because a woman doing what she wants with her body is not news. It's normal, it should be normalized. A woman wearing no makeup on Miss Great Britain stage should be normalized, but because it's not this is why I'm doing it because there's no rule in the Miss Great Britain book that says you can't, you have to wear makeup. There's no yeah, rule. In that. That's interesting. We no, probably didn't think about that. that do no, we? No, no, yes. There's no rule. You, you know, that's not in there, but it's almost expected of women to do yeah. it. Yeah. And actually lockdown showed us that life isn't promised forever. Like we're not here forever and women can wear what we damn want out to the shops, to the bars. And I think everyone relaxed a little bit after lockdown because we realized that there was it wasn't as important as we thought maybe it was to look a certain way. But now that we're back, I think it's kind of, you know, we we have got a lot of influencers working very hard towards a change. Yeah. But I also feel like we're still not there 100% because a bit like with the stigma around uh, mental health, there's still that understanding of, of the situation, yes. of what's yeah. going on. And going on, I'm going a bit off topic because I like doing that, but um, going back to Miss Great Britain, I won the publicity title. So I won the title I wanted, which was amazing because yeah, recognised by everyone that what I'd done was a really good thing. It was very positive and it could have gone either way. I might have completely not scored anything, but the the hype that I made beforehand, um, Steph's Pat Lunch, I don't know if any of you watched that. I was on that and Steph came with her makeup on for the start and then they took all the girls on the show, took their makeup off in solidarity. Right. With them. And that yeah. was an amazing thing to see and to witness because, you know, people are, are judged with how they look. A bit like what I said about mental health. You're judged about how you look, not, and it shouldn't be like that, you know. And I just think that what better platform to do it on than the biggest pageant? as you say with all those expectations and preconceptions we have so isn't that really interesting even as a psychologist I don't think I've ever really sat down and thought 
is that the rule? You know, people wear makeup when they're in, you know, I grew up in a, a generation, um, yeah. you know, where pageants were quite popular and there was a thing. And, yeah. you know, you just presumed that, that this is how you did it. This is the rule book. Is it right to ask what reception did you get at the time? So from yeah, kind of crew, from the actual competition itself, so, how were you met? So all the all the other contestants were really impressed. Yeah. And they were yeah. also... And some of them are mums, some of them yeah. have young people in their lives, and yeah. um, some of them were young people, you know, and they got it. They got yeah. it. You know, they were there for it. And I thought that was very empowering because it wasn't, I never, I hate using the word competition for that because it wasn't, because we were so different, all of us, all these women, a lot of them, trauma yeah. survivors, doctors, cancer survivors, you name it, they were there. And they were all using that platform to share their story. And all their stories were so valid. And we were all in the right space to do what we wanted to do because you know what? So many other girls got press as well. And it was really nice to see their stories online and stuff. Cause it was like pageants are such, have such a bad reputation. Right. But the girls yeah. that are now in them are trying to change that because if you use these platforms for the right reasons, yeah, you quite powerful. make differences. Yeah. You, if you use it for the right reasons, I can appreciate that some people that don't, and I can't speak on about that because probably wouldn't be fair, but, to use that sort of platform for the right reasons, you can really make big changes because people will listen. People do what, you know, young girls are still watching pageants. They are still there. And to be the first ever woman in history to ever do that is something that I'm very proud of. If I'm honest, I'm still very proud of it because it's it's a change in the right direction, you know? Absolutely. And um, what have you, what do you want to do with that? Are there things that you're still doing around that area now? Yeah. So um, I, went, I went to a college today, actually, funny enough. Um, so I'm, on the back of what I've done, I'm still going to schools and colleges, talking about consent, talking right. about mental health, talking about my experiences and the beauty industry. So on the uh, right after the pageant, actually, I went into Parliament and spoke to MPs about my experience wow. with yes. mental health and eating disorders. There's a gentleman, an MP called Dr. Luke Evans. I think he's uh, the yes. MP of Bosworth. Yeah. yeah. And he got me on his campaign, bless him, and I helped work quite closely with him actually on stuff and interviews and did, we did some work together and it is just that it's that it's that ball getting that ball rolling it's passing the baton to other people as well to try and you know create that well that yes yeah. yeah how do you make that a bit more of a core shift and you've got a voice to start to do that yeah. you know what was the aim from parliament do you know what would be your ideal to come from this my idea would be that more consent was taught in schools yeah uh, and where to go to if you are in danger and the teachers don't help you because that's what happened to me no they you know and with regards to the body image it would be around photographs that are online us being told that they're edited yes. so yeah us yeah. being told this is not real young people don't have a sense of reality if I look back when I was 15 oh my god I did not have a sense of reality I would just do stuff and not have not think of the consequences if I'm seeing an image online that looks perfect in society's eyes and I'm thinking, oh, all the boys are going to love this because this looks perfect, you know, yeah, you're not going to you're going to grow up not liking yourself. And that's not OK because of society. And we had it as in our generation where with with magazines and music videos with people. Yes. I was not represented in the music industry or in the media when I was younger. Not. No, you just weren't. You know, body hair was never a thing, um, you know, blemishes, anything like that. Cellulite. You just weren't represented. And I think that's important to say as well, that representation definitely matters because yes. it really does. It, you know, if I was me now as a young person, seeing all these beautiful women who are, you know, in a average body category, average height, I'm five foot four, I'm five, five foot four and a half. 
give me the half. No, <laughs> I'm not tall. I'm not, do you know what I mean? And if I saw a, a young woman when I was younger at school, let's say I was at school and I saw this woman doing this thing at Miss GB, I would go, you know what, I'm going to be okay. And this is another reason why I'm still going into schools because I want to be that, again, I want to be that person that I needed when I was growing up because there might be a yes. girl in school going through the same thing as I was going through. And you know what? It was a really lonely existence back then. And if I can stop someone feeling like I did and break their narrative early and help them not feel and not not experience what I had to, then yeah. what happened to me didn't it didn't happen for no reason. You know what I mean? And that's I've got to look at it like that because it's happened and I can't go back. But what I can do is prevent it from happening to somebody else and talk about it openly, talk about it with people, be open because I shouldn't be ashamed as a survivor. I've not done anything wrong. And Absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. something that I'm really bringing home because I'm still having to learn that. And as I said, there might be someone listening today or someone listening to other podcasts I've done or other things that I've talked about online and going, and going you know what? She's right. It's not my fault. And it's so important. You know, and on the TV and stuff, I would speak openly about this sort of thing as well because I don't feel the need to be ashamed of something that wasn't my fault. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely there's so much there isn't there about you know just the human condition then coming back to ourselves yeah. what can we learn about how we cope with things that life throws away and you know the pandemic particularly woof you know yeah. a lot of us learned a lot about ourselves but going forward then it sounds like you're continuing to and want to continue which I think is great as well absolutely. helping people to learn a bit more about what they have inside themselves to cope and using your you know be how sometimes you have to be quite vulnerable don't you to share your story absolutely um, in order to help my others comfort zone. like I'm still yes. out of my comfort zone I'm just like whoa like because yeah I as I said I wouldn't be able to do this three years ago I'd be so yeah, everything's great. You know, my, my Instagram was always squeaky clean. Now I post what I feel because I feel like yeah, I, I have a right to do, you know, again, it's my choice to do what I want to do. It's going back to that. That's you know, what I preach or else it wasn't, it was not the right thing to do. And yeah, I really want to continue the, um, the conversations with people because I think that's important to do that because yeah, I didn't just do it to win the title. I did it because I needed to do it for me and I needed to do it for other people to say, it's okay I got you like that small ripple in the ocean might create a tidal wave you never know you know I always say if just one person listening you know what's my baseline in anything I do if just one person listens yes. to something I do in broadcasting on the podcast whatever it may be mm-hmm. that is enough <laughs> and if more even better um I always ask every guest that comes on if there was one adversity takeaway you could give us one little nugget what might that be and what little nugget about coping can you give us there's dog 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 barking (laughs) he's giving (laughs) us his nugget (laughs) look he's telling me yeah he's eat that's what he wants um so for me I like this question because it's quite a tough one um it's a good question um keep doing what you do trust your journey don't don't compare yourself to what other people are doing because I wasted a lot of my youth doing that and I wish I could go back and not do that and 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 trust your journey, trust your journey of recovery, because this is now where you can, you know, your choices might have been taken away from you when you were younger, but you are now an adult and you make, you decide what you want to do now. You know, this is it, you know, and I, I decide to live. I choose live. <laughs> Absolutely. So people might want to find out more about you after listening to them today. Where can they find you? Where do you hang out? What do well, we need to put in our I, show notes so they can find more? <laughs> <laughs> I hang out at home quite a lot. Um, 
going out is overrated now I just couldn't do yes. it I couldn't, I couldn't <laughs> we should say we're recording this on a Friday evening aren't we <laughs> I'm sat in bed <laughs> um yeah so I'm on social media I'm on Instagram Twitter um L Celine official E double L E Celine official I'm on well where else am I on Facebook and yeah I'm coming to a school near you hopefully as well you know like if if you hear this podcast and you want to invite me to the school to talk to a school that you run or a school that you're at then absolutely because that's it's that's what it's all about is passing the baton and getting those my voice heard and other people's voices heard and that's what it's all about and as you said if one person leaves this podcast going I feel a bit more better about myself then I'm good that's all I want (laughs) I think that's a perfect ending, isn't it? I will, of course, put all of your links in the show notes. And we should also say that when we're talking about raw and organic and makeup free, thank you for bearing with me because I'm in my, literally my hoodie after moving everything out of my clinic today, just the, the bare, <laughs> bare bit. Oh, yes. We're the essence of organic tonight. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> like with my chin, like I've got the double chins going on, like looking down. And- so it's a shame actually that we're not um, visual as well as audio. So people Imagine, can yeah, just, I mean, we're both making is, you know, visualise it. That we've yep. been congruent. <laughs> so as I am talking about this, I am also sat here as I am. <laughs> not made up, not in my work outfit, but just me on a Friday after being doing removals all day. Um it's been an absolute pleasure talking Thank to you. you um and I would definitely have to have you back on again. Um, because I also want to talk a little bit more about the kind of makeup free stuff as well. Yeah. Um, because I think that's a really interesting topic. I've done a, a tele program on that before, and it's made me think actually that might be something to cover in more detail as yeah, well. I'd so, be more than happy to do that. That'd be really cool. absolute pleasure having anyone. Thanks, Elle. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Adversity Psychologist podcast. It's so lovely to have you here. I'm Dr. Tara Quintrillo and you can find me at drtara.co.uk. You'll see everything I'm up to, free resources, my media work and my new COVID recovery clinic as well. Remember to please rate and review my podcast. It really helps people to benefit from the narratives of overcoming adversity if they know where to find us. The Adversity Psychologist podcast, helping you step at a time.